0: Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We're glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, church, for participating in the elder selection process. And it is a great joy for me this morning to share with you the names of the three men who are being nominated to you uh, to be uh, on the elder body. Their testimonies will be in the foyer in paper form when you leave uh, the room this morning. Also, their testimonies will be posted on Realm no later than tomorrow morning. And over the next several Sundays, these three men will be sharing their testimony uh, during the two morning worship services in this place. So I want you to know that the three who are being nominated are Mark Fitzwater, Chris Green, and Mike Ratliff. And I hope that you'll pray for these three men. And that you will pick up their testimony or look it up on the realm tomorrow and be sure to be here to hear as they share their witness and their testimony over the next few weeks in worship. Jason Gish, Dr. Jason Gish, our missions minister, is in Moldova with a team in Moldova. So he asked me if I would to share some things with you on behalf of missions. The prayer wall in the foyer has a display of clocks and pictures. The clocks are set to the time of the location in the places where we are are, or are going this summer. So stop by, and you'll see also the pictures of those who are going on the mission trips. There is a prayer flyer, if you did not receive it last Sunday, on the table in front of the map. Please pick that up, and that will help you to know when folks are going and where they're going. And then also know that on Thursday, we had a group to go to East Asia, and i'm not allowed to say the country but i think you probably know which one it is in east asia and so they'll be there for almost two weeks please be praying for them and then we have a team as i mentioned that left friday for moldova and they will be working there with a romanian preteen camp christy hollingsworth is the leader of that group please pray for team moldova And then, also, we had a team that was to leave this Friday for Haiti. That trip has been canceled. If you have been following the news, you know that Haiti has exploded this week into violence and rioting. And uh, yesterday in the capital city, the city was completely shut down by rioters. And so it is not safe for our team to go there at this time. And that breaks our heart. But please pray for Haiti, that uh, God will bring peace and calm uh, to that country, uh, and that very soon. And uh, we appreciate those who were planning to go, and perhaps I think a few of them are thinking about plugging in on other trips that are going this summer. So those prayers on behalf of our missions team. Now, Eddie asked us to pray for Bible school, and that's what I'm going to do right now. Uh, what I'd like to do is ask this, or if you're working in Bible school, would you, would you stand and remain standing, please, through the prayer? Those of you who are working in Bible school, any capacity, because everything is important, and we thank you for working and see people all over the building. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't, don't sit down yet. I want you to stand while I'm praying for you. Um, I look around and I see busy people. And yet you have chosen to take a week of your summer to devote to children. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it as your pastor from the bottom of my heart. And I know the entire church appreciates all that you're doing to serve the Lord. So let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for these men and women who are serving in Bible school this week. Bless them. Keep them strong and healthy and focused and patient. Give us wisdom. Father we anticipate hundreds of kids being all over this building tomorrow and we are so excited for vacation bible school and in accordance with the way that Eddie asked us to pray we pray that lost children will come to know Jesus we pray that there'll be a safe and sweet environment in this place we pray uh, father that we will exceed our goal in giving to the work in Wisconsin And we pray for spiritual growth for the boys and girls who already know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so we pray that this will be a great and a triumphant week. Banish the adversary from anything he would do to disrupt Bible school. May it be an incredible week. And, Father, we look forward to celebrating all that you will do in this place during these days of Vacation Bible School. Now bless us as we continue to worship you in this place, in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Bible school workers, you may be seated. And I'll ask you, church family, if you would please to open your Bibles to the book of James. The book of James, the fourth chapter. We were last together in James on May the 26th. And then um, we had a Sunday where Logan Reynolds preached in my absence, and I understand did a magnificent job. And then last Sunday, the Agape Singers were absolutely incredible, and it is good for me to be back with you in the pulpit again today as we continue our series in James. I love to plan ahead. Uh, it makes me feel good, and I hate the crush of the last minute Uh, but love and hate are not the same as doing I've often said in ministry the immediate trumps the future you've given me a nice office in which to work and study and plan and oh how I wish that I could devote more of my time for planning for the future, but sometimes it's difficult because the immediate crises trumps future planning. But I suspect that in your walk, wherever that is, it is much the same as mine. The immediate often trumps the future. Blessed is the person who carefully plans for the future, and makes certain that the will of God is at the heart of his or her planning. I guess I'll throw this in since I sort of in a roundabout way complimented myself for liking to plan. I need to throw out the other side to be completely transparent i can also procrastinate with the best of you just ask my wife and she will be glad to share with you we continue today in our series of faith that works through james the epistle of james and today we follow up the last message where we had tough words about life from the God of grace, and we have discovered in our journey that James is very direct. He has no problem with being blunt, and so we will find him doing that again today as we, it's a title, as the message is entitled, Looking to the Future. So as is our tradition, stand with me please to honor God's word. James 4 beginning with verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You, you may be seated. We cannot know the future apart from what God has laid out and revealed for us in His Word or set into motion in nature. For instance, we know for sure that this evening the sun will set in the west, and in the morning the sun will rise in the east. We know that for certain God has set certain things into motion in nature. But other things we cannot know unless it is clearly laid out for us in Scripture. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said God was wise in his decision to veil the future from our eyes. God will not suffer man to have the knowledge of things to come, for if he had prescience of his prosperity, he would be careless, and understanding his adversity, he would be senseless. W.A. Criswell, for many years, the pastor of First Baptist in Dallas, my pastor for a number of years, said there must have been a kindness and a goodness of God in thus veiling the future from our eye. For if a man knew what the morrow would bring, he would live in constant fear and foreboding. Dying, he would die a thousand deaths before dying just once. Fainting, he would faint a thousand times under a stroke that was yet to be delivered. God hides the future from our eyes that we might live in confidence and in hope. There are two parts to this message about looking to the future. There's the wrong way and there's the right way. First of all, we want to look at the wrong way, errors that we make in looking to the future. It appears that in the text, James is addressing business people. And certainly the text is applicable to business owners But it obviously is applicable to all who work, to all who think, to all who look ahead, to all who have a desire to plan for the future and prepare for the future. And certainly I'm positive that that includes every single one of us. So there are three errors that James lays out, three errors that we make in planning for the future And the first is this, planning without God. Planning without God. In verse 7, which we covered last time, we find that James writes, Submit yourselves then to God. And we know that we are to do that as Christ followers. We are to submit ourselves to God. But here in this text, we have an example of omitting God from our planning. You'll notice in verse 13 that he uses the term, now listen. If you'll look in chapter 5 verse 1, where we'll be next time, he repeats those two words, now listen. And it is, as you can tell from the context, a negative term in both places. It is a way James has of capturing our attention and saying, pay attention to what I am saying. Now, nowhere in the passage does James condemn planning, nor does he criticize planning. In fact, if you look carefully at the words, you'll notice in verse 13 that he says, today or tomorrow, meaning or indicating that there is a thought process that goes in planning. And it usually includes some degree of flexibility. So it may be today that I do this or that, or it may be tomorrow that I do this or that. And then James says, today or tomorrow, we will go here or we will go there, which also indicates that there is a thought process. Perhaps yesterday you said, I need to go to the mall and buy a Father's Day gift. You remember what malls are? A lot of people seem to not go to malls anymore, but maybe you still go to a mall. And yesterday you said, I need to go to the mall and get a gift. Well, you have a choice. If you don't want to go all the way to Waco or all the way to the Austin area, then in Bell County, you can go to the mall in Temple or you can go to the mall in Killeen. So you think it through and you make a decision. I will go to this one or I will go to that one. James is saying, In the thought process, there are choices that we think through in our planning. And then also, James says, I will go here or I will go there, and I will stay about a year. That indicates some measure of calculation. We're thinking it through. We're making plans. We're calculating how long we will go and stay. And then it says, and I will carry on business, which would indicate there is a plan. There, There is, I'm going here, I'm going there, I may stay this long, that long, I may go today, I may go tomorrow, and I will carry on business, and I will make money. There is an objective that the person is planning on a degree of success, which is what we want when we plan, and there is nothing wrong with any of that. We are wise when we plan, but there is a problem there's a problem in the text, and the problem is this, God is not in the picture. God is not in the picture. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, Do not worry saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So as we look at James in the text and in context, where is the desire to listen to God? Where is the desire to glorify him? It is not present, and so James sternly addresses those who would plan without God and says this is an error that we make in looking to the future planning without God. There is a second error that we make according to the text and that is presuming on God. So we can plan without God and we can presume on God. That is when a person would say I'll do what I want to do and of course God will bless or I will offer up a quick God bless what I'm about to do prayer and then just toss it up there and assume that God will honor that prayer but we know life can be unpredictable in the Greek text if we were to look at that this morning and we see the words we will go we will carry on business we will make money those repetitious so there, there is a repetitious nature to the words that are used there and the repetitious nature of those words implies arrogance and presumption. Arrogance and presumption. Well, of course God will bless me in what I am planning to do even though I am presuming on Him because I have not included Him in my planning at all. Life can be brief. There's no assurance of length of days. James says our lives are like a mist or a vapor. We see it, it's here, and then it's gone. I've said to you before that one of the things that perplexed me growing up was to hear my mother say the older I get, the faster time goes. Now, I knew better than to roll my eyes where my mother could see me. There would a, there would be a price to be paid for that that I did not want to pay. But inside of me, where she couldn't see, I would roll my eyes and think that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Time is constant. Time doesn't speed up the older you get. But now that I am the age that my mother was when she said those things, Mother, you were right. Time does go faster the older you get. And if there are young people in here this morning who want to roll their eyes at that, I'll not be the least bit offended I've been there. I know what you mean. But it is true. Time seems to hasten the older we get. There is a poem written by Henry Twells, pastor of the 1800s, that says, When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I waxed more bold, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still I grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in passing on, time gone. We understand that. There's a third error that we make in looking to the future. We know that we can plan without God and we can presume on God, but there is a third error and that is procrastination about life. Procrastination about life. Procrastination is my sin. It brings me nothing but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow you can finish that one for me just as we can plan without god just as we can presume on god so we can procrastinate instead of doing what we should i heard a story and i think um, i heard on the radio i don't remember who it was that i heard it from about a man is cleaning out his desk and he found uh, a ticket for shoe repair. Do you remember shoe repair shops? How many of you are old enough to remember shoe repair shops? Found a ticket to a shoe repair shop. Ten years old. He realized he had never gone to claim his shoes. So he thought, "Well, what will it hurt?" So he went to the to the shoe repair store. Gave the guy his ticket. Didn't say a word. Just gave him the ticket. The guy looked at it. Walked to the back. Came back out, handed him the ticket, and, and the man said well, you can't find my shoes, can you? And the owner said, yes, I can, and they'll be ready next Friday. (laughs) I think I was at that store one time. (laughs) Verse 17 speaks of the sin of omission and lets us know that it's just as serious as the sin of commission. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, the scripture uh, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians rather, uh, no, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says, for it is the time, in the time of my favor, I heard you and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let those words roll around in our hearts. The bottom of all this is found in verse 16 in looking to the future and being in error in its pride. Look again at verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, and all such boasting is evil. Howard Butt. H. E. B., very successful Christian businessman, once spoke and later wrote these words. It is my pride that makes me independent of God. It's appealing to me to feel that I am the master of my fate, that I run my own life, that I call my own shots, that I go it alone. But that feeling is my basic dishonesty. I can't go it alone. I have to get help from other people. And I can't ultimately rely on myself. I'm dependent on God for my next breath. It is dishonest for me to pretend that I'm anything but a man, small, weak, and limited. So living independent of God is self-delusion. It is not just a matter of pride being an unfortunate little trait and humility being an attractive little virtue. It's my inner psychological integrity that's at stake. When I'm conceited, I'm lying to myself about what I am. I'm pretending to be God and not man. My pride is the idolatrous worship of myself, and that is the national religion of hell. How true. All right, let me finish because we're almost out of time. We've talked about the wrong thing to do in looking to the future planning without God, presuming on God, and procrastinating. When we know what God wants us to do, but we procrastinate, 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 and we just don't do it, let's understand that at that point, procrastination becomes sin. Now, what is the right thing to do? We find in the text that there are two things that James lays out for us. In verse 15, he says, We ought to say, if it is the Lord's will or God willing. Now, I was planning to read some verses, but in essence of time, I'm just going to tell you where they're found. Because over and over and over again in the New Testament, we find the term God willing or if God wills or if God permits over and over. Here examples. Acts 18.21. First Corinthians four nineteen, First Corinthians sixteen seven, Hebrews six three, and more and more and more. In the last century, a lot of believers in concluding letters would put two two letters at the bottom of their. Their written letter, they would say, "Dear so and so." Conclude their letter with two two letters of the alphabet, D V. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember that. I I vaguely remember seeing it a time or two. D V. What it means, it's the Latin "Deo volente," which means "God willing." D V. "Deo volente," God willing. Now, I do remember, I'm old enough to remember this, that as a kid, so often I would hear my elders say over and over and over again, God willing, or if God wills, or God permitting. And I can remember as a kid, sometimes being irritated by that repetition of the term, God willing, God willing, God willing. But that was before I had read James and understood it. Now I've read it and I understand it. And God needs to be at the center of our planning. And so there are two points to doing the right thing. Very simple. Know the will of God and do the will of God. That's it. Know the will of God and do the will of God. How do we know the will of God? Understand this. God never plays games with you about His will. He wants you to know His will even more than you want to know it. God has a process, but He never plays games with you. How do we come to know the will of God? First, through His Word, the Scripture. Secondly, in prayer. And then thirdly, as we understand that God can and does often speak through other committed believers, but always know that when they are speaking God's words, they are speaking words that are in keeping with Scripture. That's how we know God's will. And then knowing God's will, we do God's will. It's not that we're looking for options. God, make your will known for me so that then I can decide if I want to do it or not. We go in in advance and say, whatever your will is, I will, I will do it. I decide in advance so that when I know the will of God, then there is no debate. We cannot afford to let God's requirements become our options any more than we can afford to make our options God's requirements. So I do not debate about the importance of prayer. I do not debate about the importance of reading the scripture. I do not debate about the importance of living a holy life. I do not debate about the importance of being an active witness. I do not debate about the importance of practicing biblical stewardship. I do not debate the importance of being a faithful husband and father and grandfather. I do not debate the importance of being faithful to the church. All of those things are settled. Know the will of God. Do the will of God. In premarital counseling, when I'm counseling with a a, a Christian couple, I will say to them as part of our Counseling you to belong to Jesus. So that means there are certain things settled in your life in advance. And I will usually then say one of those things is being faithful to church. Therefore, on your first Saturday night home from your honeymoon, you do not look at each other and say, Are we going to go to church tomorrow morning? You've already made that decision in advance. The only question you have is what time do we set the clock so we can be sure that we get up in time to be ready to be at church. And when the alarm goes off, we don't look at each other and say, oh, maybe not today. When the alarm goes off, we are up and ready and we are going. You see, when we know the will of God options have come to an end. We simply obey what God wants us to do. Sometimes we do struggle to know God's will with things that aren't explicit in in the scripture. And I can think of a few things in, in my life, and there aren't time to tell you what they are this morning. But once we know God's will, We understand there's been a purpose that God has had in taking us through the experience of learning his will. But most of the time, his will is clear and obedience is our response and obedience is immediate. So let's just wrap it all up. In your planning, are you including God? Are you presuming or are you praying are you procrastinating or are you doing? Kyle Eidelman has written a book called Not a Fan, a pretty popular book in Christian circles. And he says God wants followers, not fans. I agree with that statement. And here's one thing Kyle said in his book. When some fans are asked about when they will get serious about their commitment to follow Jesus, the most common answer is tomorrow. There's a tendency to treat our relationship with Jesus like the diet we keep meaning to start. I'm going to start eating right as soon as I finish off this chicken chimichanga. Tomorrow for sure. We treat our relationship with Jesus like the workout program we keep meaning to start. We go to bed telling ourselves, tomorrow I'm going to wake up early and exercise. But the following night, we find ourselves getting into bed promising, tomorrow for sure. On the invitation Jesus gives us to follow him, there is an RSVP date and it reads, today today the word tomorrow is not in the holy spirit's vocabulary when jesus calls us to follow he means right now he means today know god's will do god's will without delay for his honor and glory and what is best for us let's bow together for prayer In a moment, we'll stand and sing our song of invitation, an invitation that we offer each Lord's Day because in this room we always know there's someone to whom Christ is speaking, someone who has not yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. And if that person is you, then the invitation from God through his Holy Spirit is to you today to come and place your hand in mine and to say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. Member of our staff will be here to pray with you and open God's word and share with you, will you come and give your life to Christ this morning? And all of us who've already made that decision, as we plan for the future, does our planning have God and His will right at the center of our thinking? Father, I pray that we are walking in the center of your will as individual believers, and as a church. And I pray, Father, that someone here today who does not know Jesus will come this morning trusting him as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing. Are you in need of daily encouragement or want to learn more about First Baptist Belton? Visit our website at www.fbcbelton.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow and like today. Thanks for listening to today's message.